What's up, y'all? It's Brian. This is another episode of Invite the Neighbors. Uh, on this episode, I talked with Christian Oli, who's like a singer-songwriter with a beautiful, silky voice. Um, I just wanted to give you a quick heads up. I've been moving away from doing intros. I don't think anyone cares. But I had to do an intro for this one because the audio is not necessarily up to par. Uh, Christian wasn't able to make it to the house. So we had to do it over Discord, and I haven't done a Discord episode in a long time, and so there are some audio issues that, like, 20 minutes in, I switched over to uh, my phone and recorded it with a crappy microphone because at least then it would stop crackling. So if it's too annoying to you, you can skip ahead to, like, 15 minutes in, and the audio quality itself goes down a little bit, but the crackling issue goes away if that's bothering you so i just want to give you guys a quick heads up and make sure you go check out Oli wherever you stream your music that's o-h-l-y oh dude we're fucking we're here we're recording now it's actually happening so thank you christian for being here um you know you're one of those people that i've just come across on the interwebs from like following other musicians that we're probably mutual friends with. And then I just listened to your music. I was like, Oh shit. And yeah. the, the beauty, yeah. The beauty of the podcast is I can just do it with what, whoever. And I was, uh, I actually saw you. I'm dude. I'm such a weirdo though. I saw you at the all gray show. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I thought you looked familiar just because I, but I didn't want to be like, I think I know you from Instagram and I think we've already been having a conversation. I didn't want to just, I don't know, I'm, I get in my head about these things, but now that I see you, that was a 100% you. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely weird to go up to somebody and say, hey, uh, you know, we texted. Uh, I, yeah. I end up doing that a lot. Or, hey, we DM'd. Um, but yeah, I was there. I listened to Augre's pod- episode a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, yeah. No, Josh is really, really cool. Um, yeah. It, it usually happens that, like, the first time I interview somebody is like also the first time i even have a like a real conversation with them so it was it's it's always interesting to me to like get to know these people and you know because when the mics are rolling or mics are hot or whatever they say it's there is like a unspoken or like subconscious like awareness of like okay what you're saying is being recorded and i try to lessen that as much as possible to get like an authentic interaction with people but it, there always is that thing kind of hovering over it, like, okay, this is being recorded, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I don't know. I try to yeah. try to keep it authentic, though. You know, I did. I did a podcast a few years ago, and I think I was pretty nervous. And I talked very slow and didn't didn't. I just wasn't happy with how it went. Yeah. Uh, but got that well, one out of the way. And now, you know, I'm ready to rock here. Yeah, the pr- the practice run. <laughs> now that I'm in the big leagues. Yeah, no, I, uh, I feel like I'm the practice run usually. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, um, I've I've seen, I think, two two years ago. Does that make sense? When yeah. I first heard about, yeah. So, yeah, our attic, I played with them a while back. Oh, yeah, they're from Lansing, right? Yeah, I don't even know if I played with them now. I, I probably did. I, I shot a video of them a couple years ago. They're awesome. Yeah, and then like Tyler Commons episode and Al Gray and there's I'm sure there's some other ones that I that I know. Those are the three I can think of right now. But it, yeah, it's a it's a I'm it's an honor to be on. You here, can man. say it, it's an honor. Yeah. No. Yeah. 
yeah no dude it's it's that's cool that's always cool because like i so i the timeline of the podcast was like i started it and i think like 2018 or something and was really rocking and rolling uh had like had the calendar full an episode every week for like three four months out and like during the pandemic I, i got really just like bored with it and like almost every episode i did was like someone's publicist from somewhere like some band that i like would never actually meet in real life most likely their publicist hitting me up and and like it gets really uh i don't know like you start to get a little cynical and like you start to read like every like a certain publicist will send me maybe like a couple bands a week or something and the pitch is always so similar and I'm constantly getting pitched all these bands and why they're so great and why I need to interview them and stuff. And it's just like without that personal connection, like the possibility of like us playing shows together or interacting, things like that. Yeah. It just got to be like, what? why am I doing this? So I took a long break, but now I'm getting back into it. Just really doing less of them and only reaching out to people that I think I'm interested in. You know what I mean? So cool, man. And, I'm flattered. <laughs> yeah, dude. So I listen to I'll start like with your actual music. And I don't know, does anyone ever tell you that, like, you don't look how your voice sounds? Like, it's um, not a bad thing. I don't think they do, but they also don't tell me, you look exactly how you sound. They don't say that either. So it's because I get that. Like, I work with, uh, like, I work at a retail uh, on the side on the weekends. And sometimes, like, I run the, uh, the playlist when I work there. And I'll sneak some of my own band in there. Nice. And just just to see how people react, and then I'll tell them it was me, and they'll be like, "You don't, you don't look like that at all." And I didn't, it didn't make sense to me. I don't know what that means. But then, like, I heard your voice, and it's just so deep and just like hearty. I don't even know how to. It's it's, it's amazing. You have a great voice. Thanks, man. Yeah, it means a lot. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. No, I haven't heard that one before, but but I believe it. I think that's a fair thing to say. Fair thing to think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never know what it means, but. It's not a bad thing, but it's just like I don't know what I what I pictured. But no, I mean I listened to your music and it's just like very, very uh <clears throat> just feels good to listen to. I don't even know how to describe it. I mean it's how would you how would you describe it as far as like your influences and like if people are fans of a certain genre <clears throat> or a certain style that they would be into you? Um so when I was fifteen I went to this band called The Head and the Heart pretty big band i guess yeah yeah um and then i went home and learned some of their songs on guitar and then started playing at coffee shops so that phase was my my older brother's taste in music like uh, avet brothers mumford and sons head in the heart those guys um really big influences for me and then past couple years i got really into like uh death cab and pedro the lion david bazan yeah yeah uh pine grove and then I'd say that even the past past year, I've gone back to those like '70s folk singer songwriters like James Taylor, Cat Stevens, uh, Simon and Garfunkel, and that's like kind of the music that I listened to when I was a kid because my dad played a lot of played a lot of guitar and he was playing those guys, so it kind of came full circle back to like my very formative primitive uh, years of music. Let's say some of those bands, yeah. I definitely think that. Uh... Pedro the Lion in particular, you mix it in with all some of those more, I don't want to say like 
Pedro the Lion is it kind of toes the line into like the indie emo side yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like when you, I I think it's so interesting to bring that influence and mix it with things that are more like general, like contemporary indie rock or like folk rock things like that. Yeah, I think it's so interesting to mix that stuff. And I'm also like, I'm not saying you sound like John Mayer necessarily, but I think I I'm a huge John Mayer like fanboy. And I think there's some of that DNA in there too, where it's like very, it's easy to listen to. It's like very accessible. And I think, I think part of it is just like having music being driven by someone's voice rather than like, say my music, I'm, I don't know. My shit is more, it's less about me being a great singer. Like I'm not a good, like great singer necessarily, but it's more about like the song structures and things like that. Um, but I think yours definitely has a little bit of both though. Cause I was listening to, uh, what's the song? I think y- you might be the one. Is that why the right, the title, right? Uh, maybe it's you as a song I put out a month ago. Okay. Almost, or a month and a half ago. Yeah. With the, uh, the title, like the artwork is like a green background and you see. Yeah. That? Yeah. Okay. Right. So I listened to that one and it's like, I, I really pay attention to the song structures a lot and I really like how you, like we'll reintroduce a part, but the like whatever is happening instrumentally is is different. There's variations of it rather than like okay, it'd be so easy to just cut and paste a verse, you know what I mean, and change the lyrics. But you yeah. have like different beats going on, different things, and like so when you're writing a song, are you conscious of of that type of thing, like not wanting to have each verse be exactly <laughs> the same? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it means a lot that you notice that too, because um, I always wanted to have a lot of dynamic so you know it goes up and down yeah which is like so that that song maybe it's you it's it's just verse chorus verse chorus verse chorus and then guitar solo but um obviously the first verse kind of like an intro the second verse is pretty steady and then the third um is low and then it kind of breaks into a build um so yeah, yeah. i definitely try and try and do that um i just, i mean i think i think that's um I think if you're into doing that it's hard not to do it mm-hmm. almost like if that's the way your your mind works musically then it's it's kind of difficult to accept something that isn't there like it's it's i can't accept something if it's like okay this is the exact same as the other thing like naturally my mind wants to it has to change it it has to tweak it i get bored even playing stuff you know yeah i mean it's funny because I I do like that I do that and the producer I work with I think likes that too and he tries to do that as well to keep stop things from being boring but um like on John Mayer you know that song Gravity aren't the drums in from the top of the song um yeah. and they're in like the whole song and it's it's just a lot vibier and even more accessible and easy to listen to when there's that consistency um which is something i want to be able to do and it's funny because now my my band is a bunch of jazz musicians um and they're always like vibing out and you know there's less of those lows and highs because it's it's a little dancier music i think um so now i want to kind of implement some of that because i think it's more fun versus having that um those dynamics are good but i'm trying to find a balance and just have some variations in my songs if that makes sense. No, it, it definitely does. Yeah. I think, you know, it's 
you have to find like the balance between like I totally get what you're saying when something like has that consistency, it's a little bit easier for people to get into. And I guess that's something with my own writing that I'm trying to strike the balance between. Like a lot of the songs I'm writing now are literally the same chord progression. Like I have a song that's literally the same two chords just over and over. And I often don't realize this until the song's over. And then there's another song in the record that's like five chords in progression that if you literally listen to just the chords, it's the same thing for like four minutes. (laughs) Mm. But I think that's what ties the whole thing together and maybe gives it accessibility. But the challenge is like, how do you make the same four chords over and over again, not feel like a pop punk song? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, um, yeah, people do it. Um, one of my favorite songs is by Damien Gerardo. It's called Beacon Hill and it's the one to the four for three and a half minutes on acoustic guitar in, in six, eight. Uh, oh, dang. I often don't even know what, what time I'm in until I'm like in the studio. Oh yeah. Cause I, I wasn't like a theory guy really. I played in band in high school and back in then I used to know, but now it's like, I'll get to the studio and then we'll, we'll get to the bridge of a song or something. And then I'll be like, Oh wait, this is in three, four. Cause the me- metronome doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. I think I heard you say that on one of the other episodes, which I thought was crazy. Um, cause I'm like the other day I was trying to write a song and I thought it could have been in five. I was like, Oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing the, I'm doing the interesting song. And then I counted it out and it was and apologies, guys. Right here is where I switched over to my phone, so the conversation kind of cuts off, and it's going to cut right back in to where once we got it up and running again. So we we try to pick up where we left off. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've done episodes like this before. I mean, people listen to it anyways. I feel like if you're listening to a podcast, it's it's not the end of the world. Like it's, I've I've listened to really like quote unquote professional podcasts that occasionally. You know, they have episodes where it's just kind of like someone's yeah. in the middle of a phone booth or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, um, try, yeah. Try to reconnect where, where we were. Yeah, I can't remember what, what it was that we were talking about. We were talking about uh, time signatures. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I remember you had said you listened to some episode I did recently, but then it, it completely cut Oh, yeah, you, you were saying, uh, I think in another episode you were talking about how you'll get to the studio and and you won't figure out the time signature until then. And then I was kind of saying that's crazy to me because all I, all I write in is four, four or six, eight more, more four, four. But there was the other day I was writing this, I was trying to write a song and I thought I was in five and I was like, Oh man, this is it. I'm doing it. And then, <laughs> I, and then I counted out and I was like, ah, oh, it's just another four, four song. Um, For 40, but, you do like what eight measures so that it becomes like, you have to do the math where it's like five, eight, and then you do 40 measures and eventually it's four, four again or something. Oh yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I don't think that's the right math, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have, sometimes I have to force it. And I, if I find myself forcing it, then I'm like, what's the point of doing this? Like, is, maybe it's just not my thing. Like a majority of it is, is four, four, you know, or occasionally I'll have some three, four stuff, but you know, I, I struggle to even, figure out what other you know if i listen to like a american football song or something it's 
I'll I'll sit there like Radiohead. I'll sit there and try to count it, and it's so hard for me to figure it out what it is. So I couldn't imagine like writing it, let alone playing it. I'd have to be like really counting the whole time, which is hard to do when you're also trying to sing and master the pedals and all that shit. Yeah. So do you play uh rhythm electric for your band, I assume? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a little mix of like there's there's some lead stuff I do, but it's it's mostly uh you know, taming the giant pedal board and like creating atmosphere and like texture and stuff. Like a lot of a lot of chords and I try to like set the stage for the other guys to like do synth and leads and stuff like that. You guys four piece? Five, yeah. Um we were four. We just added uh you know Danny Van Zant. Yeah. Yeah, Danny joined the band recently. Sweet. As like uh he usually plays guitar but he does like some background vocals and he basically whatever I tell Danny to do, he just does it. Man, getting a front man into the band, huh? Dude, there. There's a bunch of front men in the band. It's crazy. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Uh, the other guitar player is Jake Reese from uh, No Fun Club. Okay. He he plays guitar and synth. And then Poppy, uh, the drummer, is is like the front of Boyfrienders, which hasn't been playing for a while. But it was like a. Yeah, I've I heard think, of, heard of those guys. I played a show with No Fun Club. January twenty twenty. You are you like good? Do you have like a memory like that where you can like you remember the month and dates of things? I think that was my f- one of like my first proper Oli shows. It was probably like the first. I think that was like guys. Like I, uh, I book. We got a we got a booking agent to book us or something like that. It was that group um, out of this world booking. Oh yeah, and Pat Ray. <laughs> DMing them for a while, then they set up this epic show, ten bands, one night, <laughs> loving touch, and the flyer was super dope, and I was so stoked. And we were gonna play two songs, and then they were gonna like put it on CD or something. And then there was like the worst snowstorm of the year that night. Oh and this, shit! And that's when I lost hope in a music career. Yeah. <laughs> um no just kidding but yeah i mean it was just one of those early shows so i think that's why i remember it i think pre pre pre-march 2020 i probably have some solid dates locked in after that i i couldn't tell you much yeah i i'm i'm terrible about all of it like i i don't know how long i've been playing music for i don't know how long i don't know when my first show was and it's like bad because it was probably around like 2017 like i was a late bloomer you know i went I never played any shows in college. Like, I never played any shows in high school, really. Like, I was always writing music and, you know, playing. Like, it was just me and my friend Brad who played drums. And we would just, we have this like masterpiece of an album, <laughs> like a full album that we wrote together and like just kept it in our heads and we'd play it all the time. But we only did like home recordings of like half the songs, you know? And, yeah. We were very much like academic people, like college track, all that shit, which I mean, I'm still, you know, still kind of like that type of guy. Like I'm still trying to go get my master's and all that. But music is the thing that kind of like drives my life. You know, it's like my main interest. But yeah, it's it's just all that to say i don't know when everything when anything has happened in my life uh 
but yeah, like, so how long, um, like when did you first realize that one, that like you could really sing and two, that, you know, just playing music live, whether it's a career or not, like when did it first click to you that that was just doing it was a possibility? Um, I think probably like early high school, I knew I had kind of a, a natural voice, which isn't supposed to sound cocky. It's just like, no, you, some people yeah, it's are okay. born, it's easier to hit a note. Uh, yeah. Just from like being in choir and, you know, kind of having some compliments from the choir teacher or whatever. And then, <clears throat> yeah, after that, uh, that concert i started playing i played at an open mic dessert oasis a coffee shop in rochester they have like four locations now yeah i usually go to the detroit one a lot and they have signs yeah. for like the open mic and i've been meaning to do it but i just never have yeah you should that uh the guy who runs that is cool i think his name is brian ryborn but yeah after i played the open mic i got a facebook message from steph hamoud steffi james and she was like, would you want to play once every once a month, once every couple months on like a regular night? And I was like, whoa, cool. So yeah, I, that's sweet. I started playing, you know, like our sets of cover songs. And then I wrote a song like my freshman year of college. And I was like, this is weird, but it's kind of cool. Getting these, getting these emotions out. And then like playing with a band. I played this show with like a four piece. Um, I don't remember the date. It was some December. It might have been December 2017 when I was back home from college and it was like the release of my EP. But it was at that same Desert Oasis. And the band was me on acoustic, Tom Mahalis on electric guitar, John Katona on like synth, synth and drum machine. And then this other guy, uh, Mike Strubler on piano, keyboard. And it was just a very strange four piece. <laughs> um, for for an indie folk singer songwriter, um, but that was just yeah. like so fun. And then I got to play with a full band with some super good friends I had in college, and that was just like you know being on being on stage with like a decent sound system, rocking yeah. out, hearing your songs that you've only heard in a studio with a full band live was just incredible. Like so, cool. so that was probably when I was like, oh, I want to do more of this show and recording stuff. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really amazing the first time that happened. I remember the first, I'd saw like a couple bands at the Loving Touch, like bands that I was into, you know, like I saw like Foxing, I, you know, I've Hello Goodbye I saw, don't tell anyone I saw Hello Goodbye, but huge Hello They're, Goodbye fan. Hello Goodbye is cool, man. They're, they rule, dude. They rule. They've gotten so much better too. They used to just be like a, almost like I couldn't tell if they were a joke band or not like their early stuff because it was so like over the top cheesy, but they've gotten every album is just keeps getting better and better. I'm sure, you know, I have no shame in, in loving them, but I saw them at loving touch a few other bands and I was just like, man, it'd be awesome to play here, you know? And now yeah. it's just, it feels like that's the venue where like played there so many times that it's like, that's like the default almost like, Oh, where, where's the gig loving touch? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, it, just hearing a sound system there or like any any venue with like a really good sound system like sanctuary sounds good now i think it's trying not to lose the the magic of that you know because there's so many things about music that are not 
playing live and they're not the fun part that it can be a little bit i don't know it can be a little bit of a grind yeah is uh our, our live shows your favorite part um i would say uh when they're good they are like you know sometimes i've been spoiled a little bit by the good ones though that like sometimes when i'm playing to like 10 15 people it's hard for me to enjoy it and i try to be on myself about that i try not to be like ungrateful because it's still awesome but i think consistently the best part is hearing recordings and the studio is like my uh that's my happy place you know like that's where i get i get inspired like i don't write uh a lot of the stuff that we make that'll end up on a recording was was like written in the studio because it's hard for me to sit down and write stuff i don't know if it's adhd or what it is but when i get to the studio and like i have the skeleton of a song like all of a sudden it just you know just starts clicking and that that's when it feels automatic and it feels really good and i just i love the obsession of uh hearing unfinished you know first mixes and i just play them over and over and over and i just like imagine what needs to go in there and it just becomes like this consuming thing and i think that's consistent it's that's just consistently good whereas sometimes shows have their ups and downs you know yeah yeah that's a funny funny thought listening to first mixes over and over again is probably something that so many musicians relate to which is yeah it's like by the time the the song's out yeah yeah. (laughs) like if you ever release a song by the time it's out you're already kind of over it (laughs) we should figure out if we can uh log the streams of listening to unfinished mixes once the song gets released and then we can, <laughs> we can make millions i know dude <laughs> like i had i've stopped sending mixes like undone unfinished mixes to my friends and stuff because i i i used to get so excited about how a song was coming along that i would like send it to my friends and stuff so that by the time it's done and i'm really proud of it it's like we've already heard this dude it's like damn it's really anticlimactic you know yeah um but yeah i wanted to uh ask you about who you'd mentioned like you're working with your producer but can you tell me again who it is that you worked with um so i think i've released three oli or i'm on track to release three oli eps slash albums and the first one i did with john katona and uh that was at his studio in Shelby. And then the second one I did with uh, Tom Mahalis. And uh, he did half the songs. And my friend um, Alden Arakaki did half the songs. Um, and then the, the album I'm releasing in the fall is back with John Katona and and um, Tom as well. Um, so that's back at that studio in Shelby. But... Yeah, those are the people that I've that I've worked with for for recordings. And like, do you uh, is the is the process any different working with one versus another? It's yeah, it's it's also been like how I've grown and recognized the right way to record. Even now, I I think next time I go to the studio, it'll be so much different from the album I just finished. But the first time it was. I think John had some time and he was looking for more projects 
So he took on this 18 year old folk singer songwriter that barely knew how to strum chords. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he got that, that guy, Tom Hollis worked on the first um, EP a little bit too. He got some friends to come out and I guess friends to come out, but um, that was a lot more sampling. I think we, I don't even know if we used a live drummer for any songs on the first EP. It was more like me playing drums and him quantizing the, the um, timing. And then the second one, Landlines, that was with Alden and Tom. And in, uh, when I played with Alden, that was like the first time I, I played that band experience I was talking to you about, like the first time on stage hearing these songs. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. So then I was like, I don't want to click. I, I, uh, I just want to make it feel really live. So me and him, I played acoustic and he played uh, drums live without a click in the room. Then we obviously redubbed the acoustic. So that was definitely different for the second project because it had some songs that didn't have a click. And then the third third one is, yeah, it's like the most polished and, and produced. And uh, the songwriting is, I think, hit its, hit its potential of the time anyways. And same with production. I've just learned how to, yeah. what to take advantage of in the studio and and when to uh you know listen to other people instead of just um kind of staying set on what i want yeah it's 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 good and bad i think to like i think it's definitely more good to know what you want you know what i mean like in general to have an idea i think it makes you a little bit easier to work with as long as you're willing to like i don't know if you're not willing to even try anything that's that's where i think people would run into hang-ups like if they're like they know what they want and they're not going to do anything else that's maybe an issue but i like to go in there pretty much with like an idea of the skeleton of the song and then even if i don't have things written like i know the the vibe i'm going for and i know like what the song is trying to be you know but i work with like tyler floyd pretty much almost exclusively now and worked with him enough to where like he kind of knows what I'm doing. So if he makes a suggestion, I'm I'm going to do it, you know, cuz cool. it's like he he knows what I'm do- what I'm going for and it's like he he's good himself, you know. So it's like there has to be sort of like a understanding mutually of what's what's trying to be accomplished, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I would I would like to work with Tyler. I'd like to work with so many uh so many producers. Um but it all it all costs money and it all takes a song and i only have so many songs but i was thinking it would be fun to like try try a song with a bunch of different producers and just hear different different versions if you had like oh you mean like start to finish like yeah, several one, versions one song yeah and then just have be like really open minded and take it to four producers that i look up to um that would be that would be interesting. That's, it would take, that's really it would take a lot of time, you know, a lot of time, money, and an effort. But there's just yeah, a, I, a lot of. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's. I thought about like. I haven't thought about it that way. I was always really going to say I've never really thought about like because I've thought about the luck of like so much of recording sometimes is just what ends up as the final version of a song is the luck of the draw of so many different takes just being like okay that's the take that ended up on the record there's so many like subtle things that could be different 
from take to take or part to part or like sonic choices, things like that. Whatever you end up with on the record is is kind of just like a huge, it's just one little slice of what all the different options of what it could be. You know what I mean? So like having, you know, multiple producers do the entire, you, you could get a song with an, an entirely different. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that would be really awesome as a consumer, you know, like, I, I mean, here's a question. Like, do you, when you play live, how, how faithful to the recording are you trying to be? Or do you like, do you switch things up live on certain songs? Um, yeah, it just depends on the song. There's, there's a song on the f- first EP called should have that's only piano and strings. I don't even think it has bass. But when we were playing that live, it was like a shoegazy rock song. Um, And then there's one on the new album that we play live. And I think the structure is a lot different. And it's it's a little vibier, like the like what I was talking about prior with having those jazz musicians like in the the studio version, the, the drums come in the first chorus. And then live, the drums are off the bat, but then we drop them for the first chorus. And it's like, it's, it's cool. It's one of my favorites to play live because there's room for, um, there's, there's space for some solos. There's space for some, you know, looking around. I think one of my, my bassist Ian was like, this is a nice song to start with because it lets people know that we're here. But if you're not if, if you're not ready, you don't have to listen yet. But we are here. We are here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think about that a lot. I think too much about that actually. About like, all right, if I if we're playing a gig and we're playing second, and okay, everyone's on a smoke break, and then they're gonna come in because they hear the first song happening or something. Do I want to blow the first, the best song first? Or do I want to like play a song that I don't care about as much, but I want everyone to hear everything? But it's like, but I also want to start with a bang, you know? So it's like, I think way too much about that. You know, you just got to go and play. Yeah. Yeah. I do as well. Um, tomorrow I'm playing a Friday, two days from now, I'm playing a show solo. And I want to play a new song first that I'm excited about. But I was thinking the same thing. If I play the song that I'm most excited about first, maybe half the people won't hear it. So to get around that, I'm slapping on a verse of a song I already released. It'll be like a minute long, and then I'll go into that new one. Oh, there you go. They're both in drop D, too. So, yeah. There you go. See how that works out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. I mean, it's just... it's. I don't know. I think overall, that type of thinking lends itself to a positive like a net positive like i think that just means that and this could be totally self-serving but i think it means that you're the type of person who like really thinks about the order of things and i think that probably ends up with a record that feels more cohesive and and like a set that feels more thought out and cohesive you know but it can also mean like unneeded like self-imposed anxiety over things that don't matter at all you know (laughs) yeah i don't think there's a right way Nah. If you can avoid any anything that causes anxiety, that's probably good. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't worked so far for me, so yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know if I find the magic cure for that. 
Um, but yeah, so I wanted to ask you too about, uh, your lyrics. I mean, are you, do you think that you have like a particular style in terms of like, uh, like being like a storyteller or do you have, do you think that you have a style personally, or do you think that it kind of changes from song to song or like kind of, I guess lyrically, like what's your approach, what's your influences and like, how would you kind of describe the way you go about lyric writing? Yeah, I, I try to do a lot of storytelling, um, like very, very detailed. Um, I think that started, I guess it started from my first EP. I don't even know where those influences came from because it's not like those bands I mentioned. I guess they do. They do some, yeah, they do some great storytelling. But uh, a couple of years ago, I got really into Frontier Ruckus, um, Matthew Milia, who's a Detroit artist. Uh, and he just talks about like Rochester Hills, Sylvan Lake, Pontiac, Pontiac Detroit, Livermore yeah. Road. Um, and I got really into that kind of that inspired me to do some songwriting or storytelling. Um, but yeah, I try to make it as, as detailed and specific to me as possible. Um, and come, it's a little more unique that way and personal, which is also like, man, why am I writing such personal stories in these songs that I'm telling everyone they can listen to? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I guess that kind of answers your question. Hopefully. No, definitely. And I, I think that was one of the things that, uh, I mean, I definitely thought about it at first, like in terms of, you know, being really personal and telling these things. But then I also thought about like, when I listen to other people's music, what, how much do I think about the fact that it's a real person telling these stories? And I, to be honest, I don't think about that very much. I just think about, it's almost like the musician is is not even like a real person. It's just like the artist is telling this. I mean, it's just a story. It's like reading fiction or something. You know what I mean? It, it's like the fact that it's like a real person's life almost is secondary. Like, I don't, I don't care if it's real or not, if the story's good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I've gotten away with, you know, I think the biggest anxiety I have is like when I release a song and the lyrics are, they seem like they're really personal or really dark, but if it's not all true 100% to my life, I don't want people to assume that like I'm in a bad place or I'm like a, any sort of certain way because of what the lyrics say because it's it's art you know i'm like trying to you know create something that makes you feel something you know not not being like inauthentic but being you know like maybe taking some artistic liberties to like really drive home a point or something but i think if my dad reads the lyrics or something he's gonna think i'm messed up you know what i mean yeah yeah, whenever I release a song, I usually, I'm still trying to put them on Bandcamp, and that's where you can put the lyrics. I think that's like the only place indie artists can, I guess you can put them on the streaming platforms now. But I always put on Bandcamp, and I always, my mom's always like, I love Bandcamp, that's, that's where I find your lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is funny. Yeah, it's one of those things, it's like maybe I would, <laughs> with, with my parents, I would just, I don't know. Like, I'm sure they've read them if they're out there, but it's kind of just like a don't ask, don't tell for me. Like, I don't need to know if you've read the lyrics, mom or dad, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I, that, that's kind of better. That's kind of a better way to put it for anyone who's uh, friends or family. 
I really, yeah, yeah, I really don't need to know. But you know, if you're some, if you're some, some fan from a, from another state or country who related, then like, yeah, please, please let me know. <laughs> yeah, no, totally, totally. I, I think about that too. Like, I'm a, I'm a really big like stand up comedy fan. But I think some of these, like, I see some of these comedians that have just like super raunchy like jokes about like sex or drugs or all this shit. I'm like, and they're famous. I'm like. They they must just have no fear <laughs> about like their mom. I think about their moms like seeing their bits, and I'm like, oh my god! Like, yeah, you know that must be like uh, that must be a really interesting Thanksgiving or whatever, you know? Yeah, that's that's funny. Um, but as far as uh your live shows go, kind of back to that a little bit. Like, do you have like a uh, with 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 how like personal you said like some of the stuff can be like do you still have do you get any like jitters about that at all like do you still have any sort of hangups about like doing that live or do you have anything that you do to like kind of put yourself in the zone yeah i definitely do and and my songs are getting heavier and more personal so it's getting even worse honestly <laughs> um but yeah, I played in January and February of this year. I played, uh, man, here I am throwing more dates at you. I guess, I guess I do remember most. That's dates. pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In January, I, I played uh 20 front street in Lake Orion and it was a sold out show. I had the opening slot, but if you've been to any, if you've been there, like listening room venues where people are pretty much silent and then there <laughs> I am like, you know, throwing myself out there, like here, here's my heart and I'll, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the stage you know take a look at it um and it's just like man what what am i doing that's that's how i've been feeling lately but then i you know i just power through and i'm like i really i really love singing these songs and uh that's what i, I try and focus on but for a while it was it was uh you know taking a shot before the before the set but now i'm trying not to do that and do some yeah deep breaths and you know being as prepared as possible helps um even like yeah. really really dialing in what i want to say between songs has helped and just oh so you think about that huh do you think you do you like introduce the songs and stuff like hey this song is about this and all that yeah pretty much if anybody's if anybody's if i'm at a place where somebody's listening like genuinely listening then i'll always try and tell some stories between songs um and like you know if if you're it's just like any type of public speaking if you're more prepared they're going to land better or they're going to be more clear uh, so yeah, I've, been, I would agree. I've been trying to you know really figure out what i want to say especially in those listening room settings where talking is like half the half the show pretty much yeah i need to get on one of those man <laughs> that sounds like honestly that sounds like equal parts you know maybe a little nerve-wracking because like you said it is so silent and it is people like front you're front and center and people are like actually there paying attention but it also sounds like exhilarating like that's i can't tell you how many shows i've played where the environment is like i'm trying to fight with people who are just talking as loud as they can trying to talk over the band you know what i mean because like the show's at a bar or something and there's a certain energy to that. And it's like when you can capture people and you can get them to shut up because you're killing it or something. And they're yeah. like, you can steal their focus away. That's 
a great feeling. It's a win, you know, but I would really, really love to play some type of gig where it's like, you actually, it's intimate and like people are there, like kind of like, there's like a shared trance, I would imagine, you know, like everybody's just together for like the one purpose of listening. Yeah, they're definitely out there. You can, you can go for it. Um, it is different from those dive bar full band shows. Uh, yeah, I would have to figure out a way to do our songs too, though, that is like conducive to that because I've done a couple like solo sets and the way I write songs, like they're at least the first batch of songs that I had, it was very dependent on there being a band, you know? And I think I'm writing better songs now that I, you know, because I was so unhappy with how it felt playing them just by myself, it felt, didn't feel full. It didn't feel any, now I'm trying to write more stuff that's like, if it's just me and an acoustic, does it still feel satisfying? You know? Yeah. Have you heard of the, the campfire test? <laughs> no, but I think in, I can already imagine in what terms it is. of songwriting. Um, I learned it from Marcus Mumford and I don't he probably didn't make it up, but he said whenever he writes a song, he puts it through the campfire test. And if you can play it solo with just an, with just an acoustic guitar and you feel that it's captivating, um, then it passes the test. So, so he says he does that with all of his songs before taking them to the, to the band. Um, which How many cool. campfires is this guy hanging out with? His life sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think he really yeah. takes to a campfire, but that would be an even better test if you had if you had them if you, if you were that famous, you, you probably could have an on demand fire ready. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's something I'm trying to do more like because if I do think some songs just sound way better with a band, but yeah, you know, if you can sound really solid solo and a band changes it in a good way, then, you know, that's a, that's a great song. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I, I agree like vastly. And I think the, the record I'm making now with Tyler is like very much more driven around. Like I was trying, I was trying harder to have songs done, um, in my head, like with just me and an acoustic, I've been writing more. I wrote multiple songs on the acoustic this time around where before I was writing on electric, which it, it, it's still the same instrument, but somehow the vibe was different and I was trying to, trying to be prettier this time around in terms of songwriting, less gloomy. And anyone who's heard our first record, it's very like, I don't know, the people who like it, like it. And I just think that other people are being nice about it. But I'm not a huge fan of it anymore. It's just one of those situations where it's just like, it feels like, I don't know if you, how you feel about your earlier stuff, but I, I sort of feel like I had all this, all this energy and all these feelings that were just built up inside me for maybe, I don't know, close to a decade probably. And that all just had to come out. And now it's like, okay, it's out and it felt really good, but now it's almost embarrassing. Like, Oh man, like here's this big just glob of emotions that I don't really re relate to or feel anymore and, and that's the first record. I feel like now I'm like I'm like really in the the meat of my real life like right now writing music. You know what I mean? It feels yeah. it feels a lot better. Um yeah, I don't know. Sorry, dude. I really ramble on sometimes. <laughs> oh, that's all right. We start talking about jams and stuff, but I mean, <laughs> I, I guess like 
how do you feel I can I can parlay that into a question? How do you feel about like you talked a little bit about your approach to the studio improving and things like that? Do you feel like your your songwriting has you said it's getting heavier? Like how do you feel like more specifically how things have changed for your songwriting since you first started versus now? Um yeah, I've actually thought about this a lot lately. Uh, one thing that definitely changed is I used to write lyrics first. Um, mm. That was for the first EP, I think. And now I'm mostly writing melodies first, which I think is good. Sometimes I miss like the simplicity of having a, a lyric I like and find like vocal melody. melodies first, like before. Yeah, yeah, anything. vocal melodies first, um, and it's like, oh, that that melody's fun to sing, and then let let's figure out the rest of the verse, let's figure out the rest of the chorus, and then I'll find words that um, work in that melody, which I think is there's a lot more words than there are brilliant melodies. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but some people do it the other way and they write awesome songs. Um, I've so, never I mean, done it. I've never like I've never been able to do that. I've always had to have the music first. Yeah. Do you say like you write the melody? Do you already have the guitar or like the song structure when you get to that point, or is it like? Yeah, I mean, melody? I think it's like I'll hear a vocal melody and then I'll be like, well, you know that that little line can work over one chord, so I don't worry about the chords as much. Um, and then, you know, then I'll figure out the chord. I'll start strumming a guitar and, and singing the melody. And then the the lyrics might, I might have lyrics that I love for six months. And then I'll take it to the studio and I'll get some feedback. And they'll change a little bit or else they might change completely. But I still have that really strong vocal melody and that I, that I stand by. Um, yeah, so I that, get that. That's, that's definitely one way it's changed. Another, another thing I was realizing lately is, for the second project, I was writing songs that I um, think are so similar to who I was listening to. And then for this last, for this next record that isn't out yet, it's um, a lot of like, I found what, what vocal range I'm strongest in and what key and, and what I want to say in lyrics or, or some uh. event that happened that you know just like kind of poured out of me opposed to i was i was really into this band and then i wanted to write a song like that band um which is kind of what i did prior so i'm I'm excited about that as well um, i think i'm just kind of finding my voice a little bit as as people do when they spend more time doing something yeah that's something i've thought about recently one specific thing you mentioned is like figuring out the key and like what range like where your vocal range works the best and that's something like I feel like I've sold myself short a little bit on that because I'll write I'll write a song on the guitar and then I fall in love with the chord progression before I really think about I like I'm already like halfway recording like done with a recording of a song before I realize like oh if it was if this was like up a couple steps my voice would sound a lot better you know what I mean but yeah. it's like it's too late to go back and so it's just something that, you know, you kind of just have to live with. And Mr. Capo can be your friend in those instances, you know, but it's, it's like, I just, but now I'm, I'm being, becoming more conscious of it. And I think maybe the next record will be different, you know? Yeah. But oh, I, I, good. I, yeah, I, I totally think you can throw a Capo on there, or 
change the key, you know, change the shapes. Yeah. And it's like, I, I, when I write with a capo, like I'll, it's just completely random, dude. Like I'll just, I'll be stuck in like a rut. I'll have writer's block on the guitar or something. So I'll just, I'll either throw a capo on there or I'll put it in like open C or I'll do both. And then just all of a sudden things sound different and like the same, or if it's a different tuning, like the same hand shapes or like it'll, the same shapes will sound different all of a sudden or shapes that didn't work before with your hand and chords. Like all of a sudden you can try those again and you just find, cause I'm not, I've never been a music theory guy. I would love to be, but I'm not, you know? And so it's, it's kind of just like every time I play is like, hoping that I stumble upon something that really works, you know? Um, have you, have you found your range to get, to get bigger over the years? Oh yes. Yeah, definitely. But it's, it's interesting because the older I get, the more like I was writing much more theoretically complex things when I was younger. And now the things, my tastes are naturally being drawn to more like, how can I turn that into pop rock? Like, how can I take this complex, these complex chord structures that I do and like weird, I've always done like weird chords and I do like a lot of like pinky movement and stuff. Like I'll like grab a weird chord and then I'll like kind of play the lead with my pinky, just moving it to different notes while I hold the same chord. But I've been doing more of that with more like standard major key type bluesy chords yeah. so and i think that is an like extension of my range because like that's something that i wasn't i wasn't doing before and now I, I mean i can still go back and do the whole emo thing if i want to but it's just it doesn't excite me anymore you know i'm into i'm on new stuff and i think the next record i'll be completely i'll be on to something else i don't i don't know what it is yet but i'm hoping that it keeps growing maybe i'll get into jazz you know what i mean maybe i'll get into something more avant-garde compared to like what i'm into now yeah what do they say the the best songs are that sometimes the easiest to play but the hardest to write yeah yeah just going back to that that one song i was talking about that three three and a half minutes of two chords but just brilliant yeah i mean it's like do you do you ever get like done also like get done with a record or get done with a batch of songs and then you're just like how the hell am I going to do that again? Like, it, yeah. it feels like everything is you. Everything is just put out of you, and it's like, man, that's all I got. Like, I don't. I mean, is it is it rough for you to like be done and like, or does are you one of those people that like songs are just constantly coming to you? Because there's definitely, no, a, definitely a spectrum. I, I would like to be one of those people though. If if you know anybody like that and they have any <laughs> secrets, tell them to message me yeah Um, poppy's like that my drummer and like they're just a prolific like they can just write album after album after album and i'm just like dog like how been a band with people like that i'm just i don't have any b-sides ever like whatever (laughs) is on a record is that's all i got (laughs) who's crazy is you know big thief adrian lenker you know Mm -hmm. the band they have like they put out like two records a year and then she has like an a-sides album and a b-sides album uh which is like a play on b-sides the a-sides one but it's insane i will say though whenever i feel that way every every time i finish 
I release something or finish something in the studio and I'm like, oh man, how am I, I want to release another album in a year or two. How am I going to have these songs? But every time it has, I've written more, you know, they, they just come when I'm not expecting it. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I, I feel that it's one of those, uh, the whole, I don't know. I do. I can't remember the phrase. There's a phrase for it and there's probably some like Confucius say like paradigm for it too. But it's just like the, the main gist is like the, the, the more you just let go of it, the, the less you try to be like, all right, I need to write a song. And the more you just open yourself up to whatever is wants to come through to you. I think yeah. the easier it gets. And that's one of the things that I've probably said the, the most times out of anything on the podcast is how I don't feel fully responsible for the songs yeah. that I make. It, it just feels like they, it's when I'm open to receiving them from somewhere. It sounds corny, but it just feels like the songs are out there already. And I'm just like the, like kind of the vessel for them to happen, you know? And that's when I try to like sit down and I'm going to write the song. Like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't happen, but when I'm just open and then like, you know, I'm like, Oh, there's one, you know, it's, it just yeah. starts happening so quickly and I, it doesn't feel like a conscious thing. It just feels like something that's happening. I'm like, okay, it's so clear compared to when I'm trying and I can't think of like what even core to play next, you know? I think, uh, I think, Dylan talks about how most of his songs wrote themselves or something like that. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, I think Willie Nelson said, if you don't have anything to say, don't try and write said like way too many people are trying to write something. They don't have anything to say, but I'm like, I only have something to say like five, six times a year. If that, (laughs) yeah, if that, (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) and then, you know, other people just whip out these pop songs and, you know, I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're figuring out something to say. That's Jeff. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some there's definitely some songs out there where it's like, just because you have something to say doesn't mean it needs to be said. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might think you have something to say, but has it already been said three times this year? Like, you know. <laughs> but I think there's different. Obviously, it's not just my thought, but there's different styles of music that are trying to accomplish different things, you know. I think, like, Willie Nelson was somebody who I, you know, I don't have all my historical facts straight here, but he strikes me as someone who had more of an agenda, or like Bob Bob Dylan would be a better example. Someone who had more of, like, a specific agenda with his songwriting was, like, often trying to say something, and often, often had something potent to say. And, yeah. you know, Bob Dylan sorry everybody not a great singer but like a great songwriter you know like it was it wasn't trying to accomplish the same thing as like a taylor swift song that is obviously stands on its own merit for what it does you know it's like fun to listen to the earworm type shit so um so yeah i mean there's just i think the my my rule would be like don't write a song unless like you know what you're what you want as an artist you know what i mean i think that you have to be open with yourself about like all right what am i like what do i want to be like do i want to say something potent like do i do i feel like i need to have a message here and then i would say be a little bit more 
you know, picky about the things that you choose to put out or to write or pursue. But if you're just all about like having fun and there's no right or wrong, you know, but it's just like, if you, if you do want to just have fun and you want to just like create energy and things like that, then it doesn't matter as much. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, it's figuring out which one you are, I think is a, is, is key, you know? And it can take time sometimes, but, um, I was going to ask you too. So, oh yeah. Yeah. So with talking about how it, you know, it can be difficult to write or new stuff once you feel like you've already kind of exhausted yourself of things, or if you don't have that much, where do you kind of stand on the where where things are now in terms of like the single versus the album? Because sometimes I feel like more and more artists, and I'm debating this myself, I, I see them just dropping single after single instead of an entire album. And, you know, I feel like you get all the benefits of a release cycle every time you drop a single to, the, you know, to some extent without having to exhaust all of your catalog. But then you also don't have like the artistic. Yeah thing of like this is on my this is my album you know what i mean so kind of yeah um i i want to do albums um because i i just don't write that much i feel like if i was writing you know two two or three songs a month that i absolutely loved i would you know drop a single a month and then have a couple have a couple more for a record but i'd rather write for a year something year and a half and then have a have a record or album ready and then like what i'm doing for this this project is six singles and then the record in um september i think but it's a it's 14 songs so it's not okay it's not gonna be one of the things where you you say, Hey everyone, this huge release is coming. My album, it's finally going to be out next week. And then it's like, Oh, we already heard six of the eight songs. Right. Right. Which is, I understand why people do that. Not, not throw any shade. No, I for would, sure. I would, I would do that too. If I was in the boat where I had an eight song album, but I'm, I'm more excited to, you know, share six and then really hype up the record because there's eight songs that, you know, nobody's heard yet. Yeah, no, I, I a hundred percent get that. I think, um, dang it, 14 songs, that's an undertaking. Like, I, I can't, I don't know if I've written 14 songs in the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a big one. It's many, it's like four years of songwriting. Oh, okay. So then you must have some stuff that you've kind of been holding on to. Like, so the singles or whatever you've put out, or is that, are those also going to be on the record? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. I gotcha. See, I've, I've kind of tossed around the idea of like putting out an entire record as singles, just one after the other. And then for the people who want to listen to it as an album, do a promotion for like a vinyl release of it or something with like a couple bonus tracks. Like, cause some people, I feel like the, unfortunately, this is the way I feel. I feel like the people who want to listen to an entire record the way I would, I feel like those people are, are, their numbers are declining. You know what I mean? And I, 
I, I hate the way things are so like algorithm based and like getting on playlists and all this stuff. But I just, I just feel like you have a better, the more singles you put out, like the more like you can try to laser focus people's attention on like this one thing instead of, you know, hoping they listen to a whole record or something. Yeah. It feels like playing the game to an extent, but I feel like in your case, having a bunch of singles and then also having like an equal number or greater number of songs that are going to be unheard when you release the album, that, that'd be great. I'm, I'm, I am more of like the, I think I might have eight songs and I'll call it done because I've been doing this for two or two, three years almost. Yeah. And that's where I'm at. Like I, I need to put something out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in between that I released, so I released that landlines EP in 2020, I think or 2021 2021 so i think just maybe one or two of the songs on this one i had written before my previous releases um but yeah i'm i'm more of an album guy too and even i'll i'm honest when i say that but there's sometimes when i like a record came out a month ago and i'm like man i still haven't really sat down with it but i i plan to it's just it's just tough to be disciplined to you know set time aside for listen to the whole thing yeah and i think if i'm being honest with myself like just as an artist like obviously you're gonna have your fans like i mean ideally hopefully (laughs) you get some fans and they they want to listen to your whole record but for the casual person who doesn't know you i I do feel like it's being realistic it's a tough ask of someone new to digest this entire piece of art that you put out there you know no i totally agree um yeah so Which is, maybe uh I don't, it's a mystery man who knows what the right <laughs> yeah i mean I, I did the first ep and it like i don't know it was weird i i, I joke that we're like critically acclaimed commercial failures because like we had some decent press and not just the kind that you pay your pr friend to get you yeah like we had like a couple articles that like we didn't know were gonna happen and that were like nice and then when it happens, you think like, oh, shit, we're going to be huge, you know? And it just doesn't happen, you know? Like, yeah. it, no one reads that shit except for, like, me and other, <laughs> like, really mid-band members. Yeah, right? It's like... Um, back to those, back to what you're saying about playlists, I was thinking about it uh, the last couple of days. Like, you know, obviously, I want to make one of those Spotify playlists. But with those, you... You get on it, you get whatever, 3,000, 5,000 streams, 10,000 over a couple weeks, maybe a lot more, maybe less. And then you get removed, usually. And it's just like, how many fans did you gain? Yeah. So like a year ago, if I saw I was playlisted, I would like jump up and down and, you know, tell my friends right away. But now I'm like, it's it's awesome, but it's still just like another piece that you got to use to continue to move and be moving forward you know yeah no i've been trying to think about that a lot like what in terms of like what can i do to actually like gain and maintain listeners and i think i think something that works for me as like a fan of music is when i sign up for like an email list oddly enough like if there's an artist that i really like and i don't feel like going on social media all the time i'll get an email from someone saying they're going to be in town i'm like oh shit that that actually worked and i didn't have to like scroll mindlessly through instagram to try and figure out 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I was thinking about what can I do at like, can I like start an email list or like, how do I get people at shows to follow us? Cause it feels so weird being on stage and being like, after this like emotional performance to be like, Hey, by the way, you can follow us on Instagram. Like it just feels so like something it's dumb. It's something I do, but it's something I just don't want to do. I don't know. I think you got to. And, and one thing that I got wrapped up in is like, I'd finish a show and I'd be like, Oh shoot. I forgot to say my Instagram handle. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, let's say it was an awesome show and, and people came up and said they loved the set. Maybe they bought a shirt or something. Um, is at the end of the day is me forgetting to say my Instagram handle on stage. Is that going to prevent, you know, a new fan? Is that what really stopped them? And Sometimes I'm like, maybe other times we'll come <laughs> on. No, don't worry about it. Like, you know, before yeah. these, these huge artists, when they were grinding, they weren't, they weren't throwing their Instagram handle on stage. And, and, you know, some of them were just, uh, just another piece. Like I was saying, you got it that you can use to keep going forward. Yeah. Something I've seen lately is like bands having like a QR code at their merch table Yeah, that directs people to their Instagram. So like, Pretty much everybody that goes to show, they're going to at least maybe make a pass at the merch table just to look, you know? Yeah. And you could even remember to say your handle, but they don't, they don't immediately go to their phone and then they forget what it was, you know? So having a band called Another Michael, they did this at a super, they played at Bolero Lounge's Lounge in Royal Oak when they were, now they're, they're from like New York or something. And they said, if you like what you, this is on stage, he said, if, if you like what you hear, then send us an email right now and we'll add you to our email newsletter. So I pulled my phone out and emailed them and I still get emails from them. So I try that at shows. I try and say, you know, email only music at Gmail. If you want to be signed up, it would mean a lot. I think it works like every other time. <laughs> yeah, honestly, there's even if you get like one person every show, like that's good. Right. Cool. You keep going and going and going. And I've heard this theory that like, I can't remember what the exact number is, but to sustain yourself as an artist, like if that's your ultimate goal, you only need like, like one, one, I can't remember if it's 1000 or 10,000, but like dedicated fans who like, yeah, yeah, buy yeah. all your stuff. You know what I mean? 1000, like true fans. Then you make yeah. it, they spend, uh, or something like you, you have this many fans, they spend a hundred dollars a year. You make a hundred grand. Yeah. It was more than a thousand, but yeah, that's a, that was a, a cool metric. Um, you know, Jax Anderson probably heard that name. I've heard the name. I, I couldn't tell you like who they are or whatever. I think, um, so I was talking to somebody in one of her shows, I think she taped a download code back when Bandcamp was huge underneath every seat and then during her set she said if you you know put your hand under your chair put like it was maybe it was on the floor there's a download code and i wanted you guys to all to have a free download of this new single and then there's that like personal connection that you can give somebody something physical like every single person so i tried to do that with stickers at that 20 front street show it was an it was an older audience but i said like there's stickers out by the door and it was like 50 stickers and, and I was like, nobody's going to grab them. But then I went and they were all gone. And I was like, oh, sweet. I just, you know, that's stickers are kind of like, I think they're kind of like business cards, but more yeah. attractive. Yeah. No, no, de- definitely. Stickers that went out. 
Um, yeah, I, I've seen some people put like uh, like a QR code on a sticker, and it's just like on. In some levels, I'm like I'm curious, but then on another level, it's like I don't want a QR code on my water bottle. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I thought about putting a handle on stickers, but I never did that. Yeah, I mean, there's. I think there's an artistic there's a it's you, there's more artistic ways to do that than I would I think like a QR code as magical and helpful as a QR code is you know. It's yeah. just I don't know. The point is, yeah, there's there's so many different like yeah, this creative stuff, ways. I'm getting real uninspiring. We gotta we gotta change topics. No, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, that being said, I'm like almost I'm almost like exhausted of questions here. But I just cool. uh, what do you? Um, is there anything that we missed? Like anything that you have coming up, or is there anything else out there that we kind of didn't get to that you would want to like point people's attention to? Um. Yeah, I just have a have a record coming out in the in uh september i think this fall sometime and if you made it to the end of the end of the podcast then you get that that secret <laughs> sweet and then do you um is it all done already like do you have the title and everything or yeah it was it was uh done in finished in october so it took sweet. some time to, to sit with Ooh. it and figure out some things but yeah man i'm i'm excited sweet well um if you want to just let people know like where to i'll cut an intro that like says who you are and all that stuff but if you want to just say now like where people can find uh your music and social media and all that stuff yeah it's on on streaming platforms under oli o-h-l-y and my social media is oli music my tiktok is oli fans <laughs> that's uh, good <laughs> yeah real clever <laughs> the um, h almost looks like an n you know? <laughs> yeah right yeah i think that's it yeah i hope to thanks again for having me man this was super cool and hope to catch you at a, at a show soon or you know jam sometime or something i'll definitely come walk up to you if i see you at a show and, and I'll, I'll be the one to spark the awkward yeah that's that that'll work now that like now that like we've talked i would totally come say what's up but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so fucking I'm such a wallflower at those places. I, I go to stuff by myself all the time and I just observe, you know? Yeah. I, I don't want to like uh interject. But yeah, so I you know, I got a couple gigs that I'm kind of tossing around like ideas for. So I'll let you know if we're like looking we're always looking for bands and I'm always trying to find like different bands to play with. Like I'm I'm sick of playing with like I have so many friends in emo bands that I'm not shitting on them, but like I'm so sick of playing with the same types of bands all the time. Yeah. Like I want to, yeah, I want to come see you guys. I I feel like I might've seen you years ago, but Oh really? I don't, I mean, I definitely have seen your name for years and I've was probably your, like your us music. with like a two, it was just a two piece probably. Oh but. yeah. But yeah, man, definitely follow us on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. But no, for sure. I'll hit you up though, man. Cause like I was talking to Josh and, uh, you know, uh, Tyler Common, actually, I was talking to both of those guys about some gigs that I might be trying to put together like late summer. So I'll let you know. Cool. All right, man, you take it easy and I will, uh, I'll let you know when this is out so we can do all the promotional stuff. All right, man. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Yeah, dude. Later. All right. Appreciate it. Bye.